we are coming to the very, very end of our time of walking through the book of 1 Peter together. And I hope you've enjoyed it. I've been, you know, I felt led to do it, and I've been amazed at how incredibly timely and relevant, almost like week to week, where we come, because we're just going through it just section by section, and we'll come to a section that is just, it's so relevant to where we're at um, in our culture at this moment that um, I'm just, I, 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 I'm surprised, I guess, and I shouldn't be surprised by God, but I'm surprised. I'm like, God, you knew exactly to lead us to this at this point. And we're coming to the end of this, and I got to admit, I'm a little sad because I'm enjoying it so much. Um, some of you are happy because you say, when you get in a book, Pastor Mark, you just stay in that book forever. And this one's been about 20 weeks. It feels like forever, about 20 weeks total. And um, we're going to look at the section of Scripture today in, in a minute, First Peter 5, 1 to 5. And interestingly, a lot of people, when they would ever preach through this, would never address this section um, because it's specifically written to um, elders in a local church. And people would say, well, that doesn't apply to everybody. Well, I'm going to show you that it really does apply to all of us. Um, at least we can, we can take application um, from this for all of our lives. Um, and, and I just think the reason I didn't want to skip over this today and just saying oh, it only really affects a small group of people is it's so relevant for our times. Because I think it deals with something that in our culture, and when I mean our culture, I mean our Western culture, um, that I think we really misunderstand. Uh, matter of fact, I think we think the opposite of how Peter thinks. And I want to use this as a way of exposing that we think differently than Peter. And I, wanna, I want my thinking to line up with Peter's thinking. And so, because I think if we don't, there are consequences, negative consequences, for, for not understanding the very heart that Peter is writing thing and, what he's, and, and the, the big picture that he's referring to in this section. So let's look at this section, 1 Peter 5, 1 to 5. I'll read it and then we'll, we'll start talking about it. It says, therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Well, let's start with this, with this thinking about this phrase, a phrase that Peter wrote in that very first sentence. Look what he says here. Elders among you. Elders, the elders among you. In this section, he writes about he's writing about elders, and he's specifically writing about elders in the church. As he does that, he simply makes an assumption. He assumes that those reading what he's writing know what he's talking about and agree with what he writes. And according to verse five here, would understand that the younger people who are not elders would even would understand the value of elders. So much that it says that they would submit themselves to the elders around them, honor and follow those elders. So Peter just assumes that there, is, there are elders and that they are recognized and valued by the people around him. Well, let's fast forward 2,000 years to 2021 Port Washington, Wisconsin. 
And I would say this, I don't think we can make that assumption that Peter makes. I'm not sure we look at some people in amongst, amongst us as elders and value them as such. And I want to give you an illustration of how I think in the church world even, that this is not understood. And I want to talk about a man that I know, and I'll say a friend that I know, and I'm going to do my best to be cryptic so you don't know who I'm, guess, who I'm trying to allude to, but I want to use a very real, a real example that I think reveals what I'm talking about here. I've been in relationship with a particular man for decades in my role as pastor and as my role as a leader in our denomination, in Assemblies of God. I've been in all kinds of leadership positions. I'm a presbyter, so I'm in relationship with other leaders, pastors in our area, in, in, in this state and other states. And the man that I'm thinking about has risen through the ranks and has held many very high offices and high positions, is very influential. He's now retired. Um, and what I want to point out is something I always noticed about him, um, which I believe mirrors our culture. And it's this, that he never wanted to be seen as growing old. That he never wanted to be seen as the old guy. He always wanted to affiliate and be lumped together, with, he would say this term, with the young guys. I always want to be with the young guys. I heard him say things like this all the time. I just, I, I just want to be like the young guys. I think like the young guys. I act like the young guys. And I'm like, you're a grandpa, maybe a great grandpa, I don't know, but it was always like, I'm affiliated with the young guys. And he illustrates what I would call, and I, I love the guy, but I'm saying he's just culturally Western. What I, he, he illustrates what I would call the Peter Pan problem of our culture. You guys remember a couple weeks ago, I was dressed as Peter Pan. It's probably at our costume party. I was the portliest Peter Pan in the history of Peter Pans um, in tights. Um, it's maybe what made me think of this, but it's exactly spot on. Do you remember what Peter Pan's issue was in, in, in the story of Peter Pan? Peter Pan didn't want to grow up. Peter Pan lived where? In Neverland. And in Neverland, he didn't have to grow up. He stayed a kid. He had the, his, his boys that were with him. And what were they called? The, the lost boys were with them. And... Um, and he visits Wendy in her house, and Wendy doesn't want to grow up either. She's, one, she's going to be kicked out of the nursery. She's there with her, with her dog and the other siblings, and they're playing, and, and Dad gets mad, and Dad says, last night you're going to be in the nursery. You're moving on to a big girl room, basically. And Wendy doesn't want that. And that night, Peter Pan comes to her, and they go to Neverland, and they have all the adventures of Captain Hook and all the stuff they do in Neverland. And she comes back at the end, and she says, I'm ready to leave the nursery. I'm ready to grow up. But Peter Pan wants to stay Peter Pan. Peter Pan's a guy who's saying, I love the young guys. I don't ever want to grow up. I don't keep flying around like Peter Pan doing Peter Pan stuff in Neverland. The desire is to stay young. It's a worship of youthfulness. And you can say, well, that's okay because I don't want to be old and crabby. No, it's not that's just that. It's not just the worship of youthfulness. It's the disdain of getting old. It's the disdain of growing up. And I would say this, and I don't think I'm wrong. I'll gladly talk to you if you want to vote it later, but I think that pretty much summarizes Western culture when it comes to this topic. You know, this, this, this Peter Pan problem, just stay a youth 
And obviously it isn't just Western, because well, that was Western written in, in, uh, in Europe where it was written, but, but um, not just American, I'm saying, because Peter Pan was written back then, back then, so it's not new. This idea of always wanted to stay young, be affiliated with the young people, and not really grow up. But there's a problem with that. And here's the problem, and I hate to break it to you if you don't realize this already. All people grow old. Unless, unless you pass away young, all people grow old, but not all people grow up. That's what I want to talk about today. All people grow old, but not all people grow up. I think we live in a society that is so obsessed with youthfulness that we fight against the, we, we try to fight against the clock physically, but in doing that, we also fight against this idea of growing up into something that Peter would say is an elder. And he'd value it for that, saying, it's a good thing to grow up and grow old and get gray hair because you have value to the world around you. You see, the Apostle Paul, I think, sees it differently than our culture does. He sees the need for elders. He sees the need for their wisdom, and he sees the idea of growing up, of becoming an elder, as a good and a necessary thing. And Peter's not alone in that. The Apostle Paul felt the same way. Referring also to, the, to an eldership and the idea of church government, the Apostle Paul said this, mirrors Peter, he says, it is a trustworthy statement if any man aspires to the office of overseer or elder, that idea of growing up into this elder person, it is a fine work he desires to do. What I hope happens today is that we can more fully embrace the value of maturing into people who have the wisdom of life and the longevity of walking with God for a long time and the wisdom that comes with that experience, knowing that one of the real goals of life is to become an elder. That's a goal you're aiming at, become an elder. Someone who has wisdom and life experiences and then uses that to help others in their family and their circle of influence and their communities that we have that as a goal of life. Instead of fighting it, fighting, I just don't want to grow up, I, want, I just want to be like the young guys. No, and say, no, I don't want to be like the young guys, I want to help the young guys. I want to take the wisdom and the experience that God has given me and use that to help the young guys instead of saying, I want to try to remain like the young guys. So let's take some time to think about this today. And what I want to do today is I'm going to take this, I'll say this, from general to specific. And this is what I mean by that. We're going to start with, with this idea and how it would function, and how this kind of concept in our culture and our community, kind of broad. And then at the very end, I want to kind of bring it to specific and make just some applications to our particular church, Portview Church. So starting off general. So let's think about this first in a very general sense. Um, who could be an elder? Who could be an elder? Well, the, world, the word itself says something about this. This is elder. Elder simply means one who's older than somebody else. An elder speaks of, at least it refers to, someone that has lived life for a while, has put a few miles on them. I always get a kick out of a particular um, religious group. 
that send their young men out in their late teens and early 20s to different places on missions, short-term mission trips, and they wear these badges. And their badge says, you know, Elder Mark, Elder Bob, Elder Bill. I was going to kick out of it because the guy's like 17 and he's wearing a badge that says Elder. And I'm not really sure that, that's, that Peter would agree with that. Now, I don't think you can put an age on one that could be considered an elder. But at least the person needs to have some level of life experience, and I really don't think it's 17 or 18 years. I thought I had life experience at 18 years old. I thought I had life experience at 25 years old. I didn't know diddly. You see that? Diddly is a spiritual word. For all you who are under 25, sorry to tell you this, but in the scope of life, you don't know diddly yet. You know some stuff. But you're going to find out what you don't know as you get older. That's elders, being coming an elder is, is part of that. You're starting to learn. So I don't think you can put an age on it, but I would say this. I'd have no problem calling Jesus an elder. Jesus was 33 when he died. Because it's more about maturing than it's about age. But what we do have with elders is age does matter. Experience matters. You can't really be an elder without living some life, without facing some problems and coming through some problems and seeing God work in those situations. So that you're not speaking from theory, but you're speaking from experience. And when somebody younger says to you something, you go, hey, well, let me tell you, I've been there before. I've, been, I've experienced it before. And here's what I learned from God. That's what an elder gets to do. So an, an elder is something that we, we grow into. We, we develop into as we grow and mature. At least we're supposed to. We can fight it. But Peter wants us to grow into become an elder. Now let's look at some of the things that, that growing into that looks like. Look at verses 2 and 3 again of chapter 5. He's writing to, to people who are going to elder people. He says, shepherd the flock of God among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but pro proving to be an example to the flock. First of all, notice this. Look at the word that Peter uses to describe the attitude of the elder towards those around them. He calls them what? A shepherd. He says, shepherd the flock among you. The elder shepherds those around them. And it's a verb here. It's a verb. It's an action. Shepherd the flock. It describes how an how a elder would view and respond to those in their circle of influence. As a shepherd, an elder provides and protects those that provides for and protects those who are around them. Think of how King David describes this when he writes about God being his shepherd. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Do you notice something about that description of him, God being a shepherd? So what it would look like for an elder to be a shepherd? Do you notice the other-centeredness of this? The shepherd, the elder, cares for, he provides for, he protects those around him. An elder matures from self-centeredness to other-centeredness, and I would say it takes some time for that to happen. I think one of the greatest things we can do as we grow and mature and say, okay, is one of my goals becoming growing into an elder and say, is it working, is to look at our own lives and do a self-evaluation. And ask yourself, as you're growing, as you're growing older, remember, everybody grows older, but never, not everybody grows up. 
Are you growing up? One of the ways you can ask yourself is, do I still, do I see my life where, where it's, I'm self-centered? Everything's about me? Or do I see my life um, as other-centered the way, it, the way a shepherd does? It's all about providing, helping the sheep to lie down in green pastures beside still waters. The elder, the shepherd, cares for the others. Now notice next how an elder is to view the people. So they shepherd people. But how do they view the people around them? Look, at it says this. They view them as the flock of God. An elder sees values, listen to this, in other people. Why? Because he or she understands whose they are. Understand whose those people, who they belong to. Who do other people belong to? People are the flock of God. The people around you are God's children. The people around you are the apple of God's eye. Therefore, as you grow up and you begin to understand that an elder highly values other people. And again, I would say this usually takes some years to begin to understand. One goes from thinking that they are the center of the universe to realizing that God is the center of the universe and that all people are equally valuable in God's sight. We begin to grasp this. It changes how we respect other people. It changes how we interact with other people. We begin to act more like an elder that values other people because they're the apple of God's eye. And when we begin to act that way, we become, begin to become very valued by other people because it's not all about us, but they recognize when they come to you, you care for them. And so what you say is valued. Let's move on and look at what Peter says about kind of the motives of an elder. Why, why do they do or what do they, what do they want out of the deal when someone's viewed as an elder? Look, it says this, they exercise oversight willingly and not for what they get out of it. Think about what Peter's saying here first. First of all, it says they exercise oversight. There's something involved there. To exercise oversight, an elder is one who accepts responsibility for the care of others. Friends, this is selfless, and I would say this is somewhat of a rare thing. It's so much easier that as the years roll by in our lives, because remember we're talking about we're maturing into this, it does come with the years rolling by, and life responsibilities change, kids grow and go, retirement begins, it's so easy that we relinquish all responsibility towards others and we settle for shuffleboard as a Del Boca Vista somewhere in Florida, or whatever version of Del Boca Vista is. And some of you know what Del Boca Vista is from a TV show. Some of you do. It's the retirement home you go to, to to just waste your time playing shuffleboard. But if a life goal is maturing into an elder, then part of that includes remaining in or moving into positions of offering oversight. Now, I don't mean by that it needs to be vocational. I'm not saying pick up another job after you retire so you're a boss again. That's not what I mean. Rather, this might involve being more involved, more involved with family and friends and church as the years go on, because now you don't have the encumbrance of a nine to five every single week. Being an elder in your circle of influence that offers oversight based on decades of walking with God, something that no matter what they, a younger person thinks, they just don't have, even if they think they do, because I thought I did 
And I'm just learning that I didn't know a whole lot back then, and I'm just learning now. And Peter says this about the person who does that. He says the elder does this willingly and not for personal gain. So as we mature, we understand that we actually become a resource. I'd say this, really become a gift to the community around us. Because we are here for the well-being of others. It's about giving, not getting. Elders understand that life's greatest blessing comes from helping others from the well of their own experience. So elders give of themselves, they give themselves a way to be a blessing to other people. They have grown to discover that, that this is where true joy in life comes from. Not from getting, but from giving yourself away. As Peter says, elders don't lord it over other people. Rather, they willingly give of themselves out of their own abundance. So they do it for others. Let's look at just one more thing that Peter says about elders in general. Because I want to make some specific applications of this in our church. And it's this. According to Peter, elders prove to be examples to the flock, he says. They live by example. They, they, they give an example through their life of what it means to really walk with God for the long haul in a healthy way. And when you make mistakes, make it right and keep going on with God. Portview, we need a church filled with people who are growing into elders to serve as examples to those who are coming behind us. We need a church filled with that. And the greatest form of teaching is modeling. Showing through the lives that we live that walking with Jesus for the long haul is absolutely the best way to live. That marriage is built on Jesus for the long haul that have ups and have downs. Marriage for the long haul is absolutely the best way to live. That raising kids for Jesus, with Jesus, is possible and worth it. And it's not easy, and it takes sacrifice. But you can say, I've, I've done it, and help people see how. An elder is someone who isn't perfect, but who has walked with Jesus for a while, and the example they reveal in their marriage and their family and their professional life is something that others, others desire. I think we're, we can start getting the idea of why Peter values elders so much. Because they are essential for our families and our communities, our churches, to be cared for, essential for, for, for godly guidance that we need to live the lives that God's asked us to live. And I hope today, as we've taken time just to think about the fact, do we even understand that we want to be elders? I hope that we are thinking about, you know what? That's a great life goal. That's what I want to become. Because in Christianity, friends, it's not really about what you do, it's who you become. Because everything valuable that you do flows out of who you are. And he's saying, become an elder. Now, all of this so far has been somewhat general, meaning it deals with people in general. However, in our text, Peter's not really dealing generally. Peter is dealing specifically with elders in a local church. And I want to spend just a few minutes talking about that today, making some applications. Is this First thing is this. We need elders to lead Portview Church. We need elders. We don't just need people. We need elders. People who have lived with God for a while to lead Portview Church. And I'm going to say this. I mean this both in a relational and a governing way. 
Relationally, we need people who have walked with God for a while to own the responsibility of eldering the people around them and to take seriously their role of influence for the sake of the body of Christ. For elder people, el- the people who are growing into elders, to take seriously, own the responsibility relationally of being an elder to those around them. See, God never intended for a few paid professionals to be able to disciple and encourage and instruct an entire congregation. It's never been his plan ever. Jesus only took on 12. Jesus could handle 12, I can handle one. Point one, I'm not sure, compared to Jesus. God never planned for a bunch of professional, couple of professional people to offer all the care, all the guidance, all the encouragement, all the discipline, all the instruction to an entire congregation. See, some of you here have walked with Jesus a long, long time, and you have great wisdom. I'm just saying today, please use that wisdom to help and to bless others in your church family. You say, How? Here's how you do it. It's not that tough. Takes some effort. Might not be able to spend all your time at Del Boca Vista. You befriend a young couple and you help them navigate marriage. And that when things go bad in their marriage and they think they're the only ones who have ever experienced this, you go, dude, you're not alone. We've all had tough years in marriage and good years. We've all been up. We've all been down. You, you, you befriend a young couple as a couple maybe or as an individual. You befriend a young couple. You help them navigate marriage. You befriend, you befriend a family raising kids. And you offer to help them and to encourage them. When Suzanne and I, and maybe you told just before, but when we were brand new parenting, we really didn't want to follow um, either one of our sides, our parents' model for how they raise kids. And we love our parents, but we wanted something different. And we saw a couple in church Matter of fact, the wife came to church, the husband never came to church. And we loved their family. And we said, we want to become like them. Their name is the Hoiskas. Live in Marquette, Michigan. We said, we want, we, want, we, want to, we want to be like the Hoiskas. And so we approached Brad and Jeanette Hoiska and we said, would you basically this, would you elder us? Would you elder us? I was the pastor of the church. The guy didn't even attend church at the time. Would you elder us? And they said, yes, they said, we make you this promise. We will never, if you correct us on anything, we'll never be mad at you. We'll never take it out on you. We'll always be appreciative, no matter what. And we did that. And guess what? They did correct us at times. They told me, Josh, Mark, you're too hard on Josh. He's second grade. Let him just be a kid. He doesn't have to be, a, you know, knowing his ABCs already and reading. I, I backed off. I didn't hear what you said. I backed off maybe a little bit. When Jot, when Brett wouldn't eat certain things, they said, you know what, honey? It's okay if he just eats ice cream once in a while. The Hoiskas helped us navigate what it meant because we didn't have a clue how to raise kids. We were living in a different state, had no family around. We, we learned how to parent our kids in many other ways from Brad and Jeanette. I'm, by the way, I'm going to get a lot of flack for this today. I didn't realize. I, was, that, I didn't plan. Whenever you see me do this, put my hand on, that means I'm leaving the script. <laughs> it's usually bad. I usually get in trouble for it. <laughs> but I want you to get this. I, this is in theory. This is practice, and I've watched it work. We took people who are elders, and we said, help us. And our family has been incredibly blessed and shaped because they could have said no. 
And they said, yes, it was a big risk. We're going to talk. We're going to, and then Brad eventually came to church and a super big part of it. Matter of fact, he oversaw the building of an entire edition of our church. He was an engineer. Um, super guy. We have great friends. Every time we go to Michigan, they're of one or two families. We have to see them. We just had breakfast with them this summer. We went up to see them. Because our family is better because, because Brad and Jeanette were willing. They already had five of their own kids. And they kind of took on two more. Our kids grew up calling them Grandma Net and, and Grandpa Brad. And they helped us a lot. Some of you can be Brad and Jeanette. Some of you can be that person to somebody. We had to approach them because we wanted, they did. You could be willingly, God as the Spirit leads you, approach somebody else and just say, hey, if you ever just wondering about raising kids or family or whatever, I'm here. Some of you are incredibly successful business people. There's other people just coming up starting businesses. You could say, you know what? You ever want to get coffee? I've kind of been around for a while. I've done it. I kind of know a few things. Is that State Farm? We know a few things. You're an elder. You know a few things. You can elder somebody. You can befriend somebody in this church family and help them. That's what, what Peter's getting at here, needing elders relationally. He's talking about the governing side. So we'll get to that. But relationally, because that's what elders do. They shepherd the flock of God. That's not an elected position. That's a life choice to pour yourself into other people. So that's one application to our local church, but there's another one, and it's this. We need elders who are willing to help govern Portview Church. Right now, we have great elders. And the elders of our church are our staff and our deacon board. They comprise the elders of our church. That's the governing elder board of Portview Church. Our staff and our deacon board. And we have a great group of people right now. Um, But I believe God is asking some more people, some more of you to step into the responsibility of helping to lead Portview into the future. Because what what we do as elders in this church, we don't have ideas. Because God is my witness, we don't. We come together and we try to say, what is God saying to us? Because what happened in some other place at some other time doesn't matter. We're in a unique time, a unique place, and we need to hear God's voice. So we have people who have ears to hear. Elders, who people will say, I've learned how to hear God over the years and want to be part of that. In December, we'll be starting to receive nominations for our deacons. And it's always put on the Welcome Center and there's nomination, explanation of qualifications because our bylaws have certain qualifications um, from Scripture for our deacons. And, and here's what you can do. Two things. Number one, if you know somebody you think would be a great elder, submit their name. There's a box you put their name in it. Number two, if you think you'd be a good elder, submit your own name. I'm dead serious about it. There's nothing wrong with that. You're saying it's something I want to be considered for. Then our current board, we have a process that goes through our current board that takes very seriously this process of bringing, of, of evaluating, figuring out who's God asking to rise to that governing position in our local church. So I'd say this, if you're nominated, please seriously ask God if he's calling you to this important position and don't say no automatically and say, oh, I'm too busy. Or you get, the, you get the thing and it talks about some requirements. You go, you know what? Uh, I don't like that requirement. God might be asking you to make an adjustment in your life so you can serve him in this capacity. As a group of elders, what we, the current group of elders, we seek to hear God's voice and follow his lead to create the team he wants that will hear his voice and lead this church into the future. 
And Paul says a person who wants to be part of that team, he says, you desire to do a good thing. It's a text we looked at earlier. So, let's wrap up. What can we take from Paul's message today? And I know it's a different kind of message. I told Suzanne, I said, it's an odd message. I said, I don't, there's no altar call at the end, right? For like, you know, who's getting saved? We're talking about elders. It's, it's, it's different. That's why a lot of people skip it when they preach through this. But no, I think it's so important to have as a life goal that we want to grow into elders. So what can we take from what Peter's, Peter's message here today? Growing into elders is a very real and valuable life goal. Please don't be like the guy I know. Just, I just want to be like the young guys. It doesn't line up with Scripture. It lines up with Western thinking. It doesn't line up with Scripture. Growing into elders is a very real and valuable life goal. Next thing is elders are essential for the health and the growth of God's family. So we need to function as elders in our church. And the last thing is God is raising up some of you to serve him as an elder, a governing elder at Fortview Church. So let's have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us. Let's pray together. Lord, um, we look at your word. We do our best to understand it. And then we submit to it. Because we know this, Lord, we have ideas and there's some are good and some are bad. And there's things I believed 10 years ago I don't believe anymore. I thought I was right about, now I know I'm wrong about. But we don't ever have that problem with your word. Your word is truth. And Lord, we look today at what you're saying about elders and we recognize that that we all grow old and what we want for as Christian people is we also want to grow up. We want to mature in godliness, in Christ-likeness. Because that's what being an elder is all about. Never having arrogance and thinking I know it all because I've walked for a few miles, but rather saying because I've walked a few miles, I've maybe learned something I could help somebody else along the way. Lord, let that be the spirit of Portview Church. We love one another. We help one another. Lord, I know that to have that thinking, it's different than the culture around us. And some of us, Lord, that thinking is so deeply ingrained in us, that idea of worship of youth and disdain of growing old. And I pray for this right now. Holy Spirit, would you just do spiritual surgery on our hearts? transform us, change us, take away some of that wrong thinking and replace it now with biblical right thinking so that we can develop into the people you want us to become, the church that you desire for us to be. Lord, I pray for every single one in this place then because as, as an elder simply means somebody who's older than someone else so all of us at different stages can really actually elder somebody behind us. That's why it's not tied to age, Lord. It's, it's tied to, to experience of walking with you. And so, Lord, I would ask that you'd give us the courage to, be, to lead in the kingdom of God, to lead other people, to help other people, to, to lead them, that we would live in such a way as examples that they would want to go the way we go because they see what we have is good. And so, Lord, I just, today, we just pray that your word, whatever was said today that is good and right, would just take root in our hearts and would help form who we are and where we're going. And anything that was said that was just me would fall away.
So I pray you'd bless everyone in this place, Lord, that truly we'd be a people who grow old and grow up together. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me if you would. A blessing from a great elder of the church, Aaron, the priest. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.